0: Luke chapter 9, I've entitled this message, Set Your Face, because of what it says about Jesus. Luke chapter 9, beginning with verse 51. Luke, the physician, the traveling companion of Paul under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, wrote these words for us today, as sure as he wrote it for others in the past. Notice what it says. Now, it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, Lord, Do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? They were a little ticked off. But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you're of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's life, but to save them. And they went to another village And it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. He said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, it is so good to be in your house today. We are so glad for such a great crowd. and Lord, the grace you've given us just to be here this morning. We live in a free land and many have paid for that freedom with their lives. Others are protecting us even now. We have missionary brothers and sisters around the world that are sharing your gospel today. Protect them and their families and let your word go forth with truth and power. do the same thing for us. calm our hearts and our minds. By the power of your Holy Spirit, let your word go forth and accomplish what you want it to accomplish. Lord, in a crowd this size, there are those who have never accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And Lord, today, convict them of their need to do that thing this very hour. Others have other decisions to make. And you speak to us and let us not be forgetful hearers, but faithful doers of your word. And when we leave this place, we'll be singing praises, your praises, for you alone are worthy. And it's been good to be in your house today. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now when I say set your face, that often causes blank looks, stares, confusion. Because that's not something that we normally say in our day. You see, that's the terminology we lose for setting our clocks. Which, by the way, I think next week we're supposed to set them forward an hour. Is that correct? I think that's what Elizabeth and I looked up. Where did she go? She's here somewhere. Nursery. Nursery. But I, I believe that's correct, so be aware of that. I don't care if you're here an hour early, but we'll show you to a good Sunday school class. But we used to use that term. I didn't. Well, yeah, I did when I had fro of setting your hair. But setting your face, that's a little bit different for our day in terminology, but it's exactly the words used to describe Jesus. He set his face to go to Jerusalem. You see, it spoke of his resolve to go to Jerusalem. Why? Because from this point on, He has such a narrow focus that he is facing the cross where he's going to die for my sin and your sins. He's facing that cross and nothing is going to deter him from the right or to the left. His resolve is to face the cross, accept the cross, and conquer on the cross. And the reason that sort of grabbed me is this. Have you ever thought that that's exactly the way we're supposed to be when we follow Jesus? We set our face to follow Him. We set our face, our resolve, our hearts, our lives on accomplishing what He wants accomplished. You see, we need to understand that because Jesus calls us to completely follow Him. Jesus calls us to completely follow Him, not to turn to the right or to the left, But to follow Him. Nothing's to hinder us from that. Nothing's to take top priority over that. No matter the cost, we're supposed to set our face to follow Jesus. Now, how did this show up in His life is how it's supposed to show up in our lives. The first thing I see is in verse 51. It says, we see Jesus following God's plan by His steadfastness. We see Jesus following God's plan by his steadfastness. Read again with me verse 51. Now it came to pass when the time for him to be received up had come. That he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. I think this passage that we read here in the New Testament reflects what was prophesied in the book of Isaiah, chapter 50, uh, beginning with verse 4 and going through verse 7. I'm going to read it for you. That's Isaiah 50, beginning with verse 4 and going through verse 7. It says, The Lord has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak. A word in season to him who is weary, he awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. I gave my back to those who struck me, my cheeks to those who plucked out my beard. Do you see Jesus in those verses? I did not hide my face from the shame of spitting. The Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. You see, it depicts Jesus going to face the cross in Jerusalem. We know that flint, uh, uh, to, to be like flint means you're hard, you're, you're tough, you're, you've, you've got it going on. And Jesus set his face like that flint. Nothing was going to deter him from doing the Father's will. He knew he had to die on the cross in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the city that was famous for killing the prophets of old. Jerusalem that had rejected God's word again and again and again. And had suffered for it and will suffer for it again in A.D. 70. For rejecting Christ and the temple and everything was destroyed by the Roman general Titus. But Jesus set his face. He did that. By his steadfastness, because he knew God had a plan. So why did he do it? I have three little reasons here under point one. The plan of the cross. You see, Jesus' death wasn't a surprise. It was not plan B. Uh, You need to understand, and I need to understand, that God had planned for mankind's salvation before the world. It says that in Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, All who dwell on the earth will worship Him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world, you need to understand. Jesus wasn't in the wrong place at the wrong time. Don't feel sorry for him. He set his face to because of the plan of God and the plan of the cross, and he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was getting in for. I know that from John chapter ten, verses seventeen and eighteen, where it says, <clears throat> "Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again." No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it again, take it up again. This command I've received from my Father. Jesus knew the plan of God. He had been there before the foundation of the world and had volunteered to carry out that part of the plan to rescue mankind from our sin. And he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem to face the cross because it was the plan of God. He also did it because of the purpose of the cross. Jesus said in Luke 19:10, "I've come and to save that which was lost." In Second Peter chapter three verse nine, it says, "God is not slack concerning his promises, as some men consider slackness, but is long-suffering toward us." Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's purpose of the cross was for us to be saved. But he understood some things. He understood that we are awfully sinful. It says, <clears throat> all have sinned and can fall short to the glory of God. All leaves none of us out. No question, we are sinners. The Bible goes on to say that not only are we sinners, we're good at it. I don't know about you, but I was probably the best sinner there was till God changed my heart. That is not to brag. That is a shame that I was that way because my mama raised me like yours did, Tommy, to be better than that. A fine Christian example. A little bit of a temper, but, you know, if you have a little boy like me, you better have a little bit of a temper. But you see, not only are we universally sinful, we can't save ourselves. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, you know it. For by grace you save through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we have a problem. We have a sin problem, and we can't save ourselves from that. And then the penalty of it is in Romans 6, 23, where it says the wages, the payment, what we get for sin is death. We deserve death and hell. We're sinners. We're good at it. And we like it. Until we discover Jesus. And he came in the purpose to save us from those sins. Acts 4.12 says, Nor is there any other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved except the name of Jesus. I think he went to the cross and set his face so steadfastly because of the power of the cross. When it says there, when the time came for him to be received up. We don't realize that received isn't just talking about when he goes up into heaven after the 40 days, after he's raised from the dead. It means from all he endured before the cross, during the cross, in the grave, when he raised, and during that 40 days. That word received up means all of his glory, all of that. It's the plan of God, the power of the cross made that possible. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says it this way, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Then there's another passage about the power of the cross. It says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And then Paul begins to describe the unrighteous deeds. Do not be deceived? Neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And then he gives us these words in verse 11. Listen closely to me. Don't tune me out yet. And such were some of you. In other words, we're all guilty of sin. Some, we want to say, are worse sins. But in God, sin is sin. It's bad. But, you see, when you find a but in Scripture, look before it and after it, it's either good news or bad news. This is good news. But, you were washed but you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Jesus knew the purpose of the cross. He knew the power of the cross, that when we believed on him through his finished work on the cross, we could be saved. So he set his face and headed for the cross. My question this morning is twofold. First, have you accepted Jesus Christ and what He did for us by dying on the cross for our sins in our place? A substitutionary death. Secondly, are you determined to set your face and follow Him whatever the cost? We need to answer those questions. So Jesus followed God's plan by His steadfastness. Secondly, Jesus was following God's plan by his sincerity. Read verses 52 through 56 again with me. So he set his face to go to Jerusalem, verse 51. It said, and sent messengers before his face. Here he is. He's not going to the right or left. He tells them, y'all go prepare. Sent messages before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. He had met the Samaritan woman and had a great response. But notice, but... There's a but again. But this time it's not good news. But they did not receive him because his face was set to journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's life, but to save them. They went to another village. So I see Jesus carrying out God's plan in his setting his face for Jerusalem by his sincerity. Now, what do I mean by that? Notice, first of all, the Samaritans' ignorance. The Samaritans' ignorance. You see, the Samaritans were half-breed Jews. The Jews hated them and they hated the Jews. But what you really need to realize about The Samaritans is this because the Jews rejected them because they could not do in the temple, they just decided they could do it themselves. They had a can do spirit, they can do it. They didn't need any help, they could do it their way. They represented uh, those of America that have all kinds of religions that say, I can do it by myself, I can be rightly rated God by myself. I'm okay. But you see, they were ignorant. They worshiped on Mount Gerizim, and that's what he told the woman at the well. But you don't know how to worship or who you worship. We do. We're the Jews in Jerusalem. But it's not the place, but it's got to be done according to the spirit of truth. And they didn't know the truth, you see. They didn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah. They were upset that he was going to Jerusalem. He's going to those people we hate. He, He doesn't really have time for us. We don't want him here. Go on. Sounds so much like the people that we deal with on a day by day basis or that I encounter. Oh, I don't want to hear that. I can remember sitting in Hardy's and eating breakfast with a, a preacher friend of mine, and the old boy next to us had been pretty friendly, you know. And well, I'm having a better day than normal. That's the way he talked, you know, just that. And he's probably in his 70s or 80s. I don't remember. It was late 70s that he told us. My preacher friend said, so let me tell you how to have the most wonderful day of all. He said, really? I want to hear that. How do I have the most wonderful day of all? He said, you need to meet my Jesus. And you would just see the look of horror and shock on the guy's face. He said, now you've gone to making me mad. You're meddling. I don't want to hear that. Why don't you want to hear that? I don't want none of that stuff. He was so mad, he got up and left the table beside us and went to the far side of the restaurant and sat back down. The devil in me wanted to act like James and John and chase him down. But the Spirit said, don't do that. But see, they were ignorant. They didn't realize that Jesus was the only way to salvation. That's what Jesus said. Remember in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me or through me. I meet people all the time that have embraced the do-it-yourself or I-can-do-it-my-own-way religion. And snub their nose at God because they're ignorant of the truth. But it's not just them that I see here. I see the disciples' arrogance. You see, their reaction, James and John's reaction, is one of outrage. They were for Jesus, He was their Lord, He was their master. Let us call fire. We'll roast them. God, will roast them like toast. You just give us the word. Unfortunately, I see too many Orthodox Christians respond with the same kind of spirit. You see, they may have been right theologically, but they were wrong in their hearts and their actions. How do I know that? Because of the way Jesus responded to them. Did you, did you see it in verse 55? But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And then they went to another village. You say, why do you think Orthodox Christians respond that way? You see, just like Jesus, we need to have patience with the lost. I keep saying it, and I hope you're starting to get it. How the lost act does not surprise me in the least. Why does it surprise you? They are lost. They don't know Jesus. What surprises me, how those of us who know Jesus act. That's another matter. Here are the ones who know Jesus. They don't give these guys a chance to repent. They hated these Samaritans. And when they reject Jesus, let's call it down, boys. You ask for it, you're going to get it. I'm going to get you. Woof. And Jesus said, your hearts are wrong. You have the wrong spirit. Well, Brother Gary, what are you saying? You see, we can be right theologically and wrong in our hearts. We're supposed to have patience with sinners. Jesus loves sinners. I didn't come to destroy men, but to save them. What are you talking about? Well, without saying it out loud, how do you respond when you meet a homosexual? How do you respond when you meet a Muslim? Well, They're awful. Uh, How do you respond? Meet somebody of a different ethnicity. I can't say that word right this morning. What about the ones who maybe are not from our area? AKA, they sound different. They don't talk like we do. How do you respond to them? Do we understand what I'm saying? They act different, they look different, they sound different, they are different. What's wrong with that? I think God likes variety. If you don't think that he likes variety, look around the audience. Y'all ought to laugh harder than that. Look who he called to be your pastor. You should really laugh at that, okay? I don't know what you did, but he stuck me here for 20 years just to punish you. It's been a blessing. There you go. There you go. Been a blessing to me. But I want to hear you. You see, I see the lost folks' ignorance and the disciples' arrogance. We don't want to be that way. When we're that way and we're harsh and we're caustic, we don't know what manner of spirit we are of. It's not the Spirit of God. We have to be very careful. You know, I've said it before, and I'm going to keep saying it again. It's not that I don't want you to say the truth, but if I read my Bible right, it says, Speak the truth in love. Let me give you my commentary on that. If you can't say it in love, shut your mouth. It's not okay to get on Facebook and say whatever you want. Young adults and old adults and teenagers, some of that stuff does not go away. Shut your mouth. Keep it off Facebook. I got off Facebook. I got tired of reading some of y'all's comments. You have things on there that should never be see the light of day. Some of you need to repent. Just as I have to repent every day for my mouth. It shouldn't be that quiet in here. You should giggle a little bit and say, <laughs> "You're right." You don't agree with that. Too bad. I said it. It's out there. I'm serious. We treat lost folks like they're supposed to act like they know Jesus. They're lost because they don't know Jesus. They haven't been forgiven of their sins. Sin still rules their lives. How do you expect them to act? I keep saying that. Well, they offended me. It's all right. I offend them all the time. I tell them they're lost without Jesus and they need to have him and they get offended. I don't do that in a spirit of arrogance. I used to, but I don't anymore because when I read this passage and I went to that conference, they talked about how to do apologetics. Apologetics is not just defending your faith so that you, you cut their heads off. Apologetics is building a bridge. Apologetics is defending your faith in such a way that they want your faith. Do we live in such a way to the loss that they want what we have? If not... Are we being like Jesus? Because every time I look around Jesus, he's got lost folks gathered all around him. They like being with Jesus. Now, I want, I, you're not responding much this morning. That, that terrible thing they did with the applause is carrying over. <laughs> I, I really want you to get this because I'm having to get it. Why would somebody lost and in sin love being around Jesus? I mean, his very holiness would sort of burn them, upset them. But they wanted to be near Jesus. And here's why. He loved sinners. He loved me enough to save me. He loved you enough to save you. And we're sinners. Forgiven. Praise the Lord. And so, we can't be arrogant, you see. God has such a sense of humor. I used to really not like people who had tattoos all over them. Thought that's got to be of the devil. Then what happened? My son got him everywhere. And I assure you, Matthew's not of the devil. And so God had to convict my sin. And for all those sermons I said that to folks, I'm sorry. I truly am. Because God doesn't look at the outside. He looks at the heart. And I've got to start looking... What caused them to do this or what caused them to act this way? Do you you get that? Okay, we'll go on. I've beat that horse to death. Elizabeth's not in here giving me the. Here's what that means. Stop or I'm going to kill you. (laughs) Yes, Bobby, you can tell her I said that if she don't have the sound on back there. So we see Jesus following God's plan by his steadfastness, by his sincerity. I love lost people. You're supposed to love lost people. I'm headed for the cross. Haven't you got it yet? They hadn't. Some of us haven't. The last thing, and you're going to say, amen. Ooh, it's time to quit. We see Jesus following God's plan by his straightforwardness. You see, he has three encounters with three different guys that mean different things. The first One, he's telling us to count the cost. This guy comes up to him and says, I'll follow you anywhere you want to go. And he says, I don't have a place to lay my head. In other words, you better count the cost. We're supposed to count the cost of what it means to follow Jesus. If it doesn't cost us anything, we're not following. The second thing, the guy comes up. He says, look, I've got to have first allegiance in your life. He says, first let me go bury my... Father. Now, you need to understand that Jesus is not saying he couldn't go to his daddy's funeral. What the guy is saying is, he's making an excuse, I'll follow you later after my daddy dies. In other words, I got some time and some things I want to do home. And Jesus called him to go preach the gospel. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead and you go preach the kingdom. In other words, he's saying, am I first in your life? Is Jesus first in your life? I want to tell you something. Jesus would never destroy a family, but our first relationship is with our Savior. He's supposed to have priority and boss us. That did not give us an excuse to ignore our families or mistreat our families or say, well, I'm busy doing God's work. No. You can be busy doing God's work and still take care of your family, but what he's saying is Jesus has first place. Not our jobs, not some relationship, not our possessions. Jesus. So he said, "Count the cost." He said, "I want first allegiance in your life." And the last thing, as we close, you see, is we're to go forward until we finish. This guy said, "I want to follow you wherever you go, Jesus, but let me go home and say goodbye to everybody." He said, "Anybody who puts his hand to the plow is not and looks back is not worthy of the kingdom of God." It sounds so harsh, but if you've ever had to plow, I don't care if you didn't plow with a mule. Because I never did, but I did lots of plowing with the tractor. And if you look backwards while you're plowing, you never get where you're supposed to be. i got lots of spankings until I realize, set your face, look to the end, and go where God wants you to go. He's saying, finish the job. We're we're either setting our faces. I want you to hear this as we close. You're either setting your face or you're making excuses. Well, you don't understand my situation. Nope, I don't. God does it's not that I don't care God cares so I care but you either set your face and follow him and I either set my face and follow him or I make excuses please bow your head and close your eyes as we finish up Father God this is holy time because you are here there are some that need to set their face quit looking around and accept Jesus as their personal savior publicly right now there are some that need to come and join this church by baptism or letter or statement. There are others that need to come and rededication or surrender. And Lord, you have your way with us. In Christ's name, amen.